0: Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. I'm Clara Harder. I'm a reporter here, and I'm here today with
1: Brennan Dixon. What's up, guys? (laughs) Uh, I apologize in advance for any sniffles I have. My allergies have been killing me lately.
0: Yeah, Brennan's a fellow reporter here at the Daily Press, and today we're doing another one of our News Bites, a news summary podcast, filling you in on everything we've been working on this week and um, what exciting news developments are yet to come. So to kick it off, Brennan, what have you been working on this week?
1: I feel like the most interesting thing is the draft housing element that got approved Tuesday. Um, It comes on the heels of several months of community engagement and council discussions and planning commission discussions and housing commission discussions. And I can go on and on and on. Um, But it finally got it's going to be sent out to the California Department of Housing and Community Development for review. Um, so for those who don't know, it's a state-mandated uh, document. The city has been instructed to build 8,895 units. 69% of these must be affordable. Um, and it's all, you know, the, the draft outlines a number of ways the city could do so in the next eight years. Um, and when we went to sit down Tuesday to discuss it and, you know, the programs that we want to see, the programs that we want to cut um gleam council member gleam davis uh took issue with uh how everything went down um she you can read the story you can watch the meeting she breaks it all down one by one but mainly she took issue with the fact that a large number of programs require changes to the loose or downtown community plan uh, which requires a super majority so five votes from council and if you follow council you You could believe that that may be hard to attain. Um, She said during the meeting uh, that she hopes council can get there, but she voted no. um, I'm summarizing basically because she feels the housing element doesn't comply with the uh, AFFH requirements since any concrete and intentional steps to address exclusionary zoning were removed. Um, That's basically they wanted to – Rezone the R one neighborhoods, um, very wealthy part of town, and planning commissioners, council, um, some took issue with that. They it, some wanted were worried about the tree canopies. Um, there's there's a whole mix of issues, but that's basically what happened. Uh, they ended up passing it. Gleam was the only no vote, so it'll now go to HCD, and they'll review it. Hopefully by um, uh, July 1st is the date to send it out. The, the city will get it back, we'll review it again, and then we'll either make some changes if we have to or if HCD says everything is good, then we'll send it in for final approval. I will say that a lot of people feel that the element right now is toothless and they mm. they think that HCD is going to take issue with the uh, the way that council addressed some interesting of the FFH requirements
0: yeah and for people who aren't familiar with the housing element why is hcd in the state uh, mandating that santa monica build so many units
1: so it the housing element it's it's been in existence since 1969 uh all it's, it's a california mandate all local governments have to plan how they're going to meet the housing needs of everybody in their community um you know, population is growing, population is shrinking. So it's not like everybody has to build 8,000 units. How it goes is um, they looked at Southern California as a region, determined how much Southern California would have to build. And then from there, Santa Monica gets a percentage. So every city has to build it. Um, I am just going to bring this up earlier. Planning commissioners, uh, when they first saw the numbers, and even Council Member Christine Parr, she was wondering if we should Fight the city like some other municipalities were, because they feel that the number is way too large um, and there's really no space to build it. But you'll find you'll find opponents, you'll find proponents. Um, everybody has an opinion. Super interesting.
0: Housing is complicated. Yeah,
1: ha- housing is complicated and
0: essential and expensive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. so yeah, so that was one story. Another one um, was Hero Pay in SMMUSD. Um, You may remember I covered it a while ago, Um, but it's coming back. It seems like custodians, supervisors, classified staff are going to get up to $2,000 depending on their assignment in the pandemic. Um, I remember a few months ago, classified staff spoke during a board meeting, and yeah, some of the things they shared were pretty wild. I jumped on an interview later with one worker. His name was Henry. And he talked about how he spent a coma. He was spent six weeks in a coma.
0: Oh my uh, gosh!
1: Yeah, six weeks in a coma. He, uh, I remember he he woke up. He, uh, this may be too much, but he couldn't even go to the bathroom by himself. Like he okay. couldn't. And
0: anything. this was because he caught COVID yeah, he during ta- his time working as an SMMUSD as yes, custodian. Yes,
1: yes, he caught COVID. Um, he talked about how he never see his wife again. Now he's thankful for dinner with her. <laughs> I am not a very emotional guy, but talking to this man, I could have broken down. Yeah. It was is very tough to hear. And he was far from the only one who spoke. Um, I'd go check the story. Search Hero Pay SMDP. Uh, you'll, you'll see it come up. There's some heartbreaking stuff in there. But anyways, they're they're gonna get this pay bump. They're pretty happy about it. And, yeah, that, that's enough about me, Claire. I've been talking forever. <laughs> you know I can go on and on and on. Tell me about you.
0: Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, this week kicked off with a story about the June 15th reopening. You know, if you don't know about that, I don't know where you've been, but it means that the pandemic is winding down in a pretty significant way across the state. Um, most COVID restrictions were lifted on Tuesday, that means that businesses are now operating at 100% capacity. And if you are fully vaccinated, you do not have to wear a mask in most settings. That being said, businesses can still mandate you to show proof of vaccination, or they can still mandate all patrons to wear a mask. However, from my interviewing and talking to local business owners, most are abiding by the honor system where they ask that patrons respect the regulations if they're Unvaccinated, please continue to wear a mask. And if you're fully vaxxed, you can go right on in, um, which is exciting. So we have a really helpful graphic on the website that details when you can and can't, when you should and shouldn't wear a mask. If you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, there are still a couple settings where you should, even if you're vaccinated, childcare, public transit, healthcare facilities.
1: I was going to ask where, give me some examples. Yeah, Well, you got yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, And then I also did a story this week on a new cafe that opened on Montana. It's an interesting concept. They say that they're in the business of kindness and their business model is kindness first, coffee second. Um, It's a really cool store. The founder, uh, Francois Rouhani, is actually one of Forbes 30 under 30 recognized for his innovative business model. Um, that actually centers on hiring foster youths who've aged out of the system and giving them a really calm and supportive and loving job training environment, um, which you wouldn't typically find in a lot of entry-level jobs, um, especially kids from different traumatic backgrounds. So.
1: I remember working at a cafe and getting screamed at at 6.30 <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Yeah. Well, that would not happen to you at the La La Land Kindness Cafe. I can tell you, I walked into the interview and I got about three compliments immediately, including on my outfit, which was blue jeans and a white t-shirt, you know.
1: You're like, this is a basic outfit, but but still.
0: I was like, this. you're making me feel great. Um, and I did walk out feeling happier and perhaps more kind. So I would say their mission is working. Um, Fun new place to check out. And then another story I worked on this week is about pickleball. Mm. And for those of you who don't know what pickleball is, it's actually the fastest growing sport in America. It's really popular in Santa Monica. It's a slower, more social version of tennis played on about a quarter of a tennis court with paddles and a wiffle ball. Um community members love it there's about 250 members a lot of them are elderly residents who find it a really healthy and awesome outdoor sports outlet but it's becoming increasingly difficult for them to play during the pandemic um they lost the nets that the city provided they lost their designated play hours there's only 4 courts in the whole city that are pickleball compatible and they have to compete with tennis camps and tennis coaches and tennis players um, so they're they're kind of upset about this. They really love the sport and they've been trying to get some funding to stripe other courts, pickleball, just uh, create avenues for them and their fellow players to enjoy the sport. But it's been difficult.
1: I, I've actually heard this come up during council um, when the proposed budget first got released. I remember, I believe Lane told council, city interim city manager Lane Dale, told council that whatever we add into the budget, we're gonna to have to take something equivalent away, and I know Councilmember Phil Brock brought up pickleball and you know the explosion and the popularity <laughs> of the sport and you know how it's one of the fastest growing in the world, and yes, and he didn't think the cost would be anything too major to help him out. However, it is the budget is literally at the point where if we add something in, we got to take it out, and so Council kind of had a hard time figuring out balancing everything. And I believe that uh, they said that they're going to have like pickleball players are in line, but they're going to have to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, yeah. they're actually going to talk budget on Tuesday. So we'll probably I was gonna have. Ask. <laughs> yeah, we're reading each other's minds.
0: We're today. in sync.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're talking budget on Tuesday. Council is so. I'm next sure Tuesday. We'll, yeah, I'm sure we'll hear more about pickleball. coming yeah. soon,
0: Amongst many other city services and departments like that'll be a pretty monumental decision next year budget coming out of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, last year, we, you know, had predictions that um, things were looking doom and gloom. But I will say that we kind of made it out of it. Santa Monica has made it out of it, um, thanks to. Some fine fiscal planning. Yes,
0: fiscal stewardship on behalf <laughs> of the city government.
1: Love to see it. We've been reading; you can tell. But uh, but yeah, it, it'll be an interesting conversation. It'll be a long one. Um, I, there's not a lot on the budget on Tuesday's agenda outside of budget. So um, stay tuned, and you know I'll have you updated.
0: Yes, thank you, Brennan, for <laughs> parsing all of those documents and funds and spreadsheets, getting us the news we need on the budget.
1: It's nothing. But what about you, Clara? Hit me hit me with something exciting.
0: Yeah. So next week I'll have some articles coming out about investigating the question of a labor shortage. It's something being talked about across the country, um, and it's impacting Santa Monica, and it's actually pretty politically charged. Um, Some people view the concept of a labor shortage as kind of a Republican talking point that aims to sort of trash unemployment benefits. You know, other people genuinely believe that boosted unemployment benefits are stopping workers from coming back to work and inhibiting the recovery of local business. So I've been investigating, you know, what the supply and demand of labor is looking like in Santa Monica, so far, some of my preliminary findings is that restaurants are having a really hard time staffing up again. Um, however, the hospitality industry and hotels, there's actually still a lot of um, workers waiting to be recalled and waiting to come back to work. So it's it's a pretty complicated picture. It's pretty interesting too. So I would say if you're if you're interested in you know finances, jobs, the economy, local industry, tune in next week.
1: Yeah. I- it's certainly a pertinent topic uh, everybody's returning nature is healing and everybody's looking for a job it seems like
0: yeah there's a lot of changes afoot um hopefully going in a positive direction well thank you so much everyone for tuning in this was our news summary of the week we hope you enjoyed and walked away learning something you didn't know before about the wonderful city of santa monica
1: have a good week y'all
0: Thanks for joining us today on Inside the Daily Press. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. Music for the Inside the Daily Press podcast is brought to you by The Brig Band. The Brig Band is an L.A. jam band that has been playing live since 2002. Regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. To find out where and when you can hear them live, head to thebergvan.com.